I'm Crystal Siracas. Welcome to Off the Page, the show featuring good books and good conversations with authors from our own region and from around the world. My guest today is Binghamton native Therese Walsh. She's the author of The Moon Sisters and The Last Will of Maura Leahy. She's also the co-founder of Writer Unboxed, an online community for writers. She joins me today to talk about writing and the work being done at Writer Unboxed. Therese, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start out, tell us a little bit about Writer Unboxed. Writer Unboxed was founded in 20, oh wait, 2006. So it's been 16 years. Kathleen Bolton, a writer who lives in Ithaca, um, approached me and asked about starting a blog. And at that point, this is pre-Facebook, <laughs> which like helps to put everything in context. But at that point in time, like having a blog seemed like this almost exotic, like crazy new wilderness, you know, and, um, and there seemed to be this niche available for people who might want to have a blog on writing that was really geared toward writers, not a blog about, you know, sort of the navel gazing, you know, this was my, this is my life as an author and it's for readers and sort of to attract a readership. So we did some research and we were looking around and at one point we thought, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we could just be sort of like snarky and that can be our, our thing. And then we started to get a little bit more realistic about it. Like, you know, we wanted to become published. It's probably not such a great idea to be snarky about the industry that we want to uh, get our foot in the door with. So, um, you know, I have this history working for Rodale Press and that was Prevention Magazine, Runner's World, you know, organic gardening. And um, Bob Rodale, who founded Rodale Press so many years ago, his mantra was keep it positive and empowering. So everything in their magazines is really meant to be something you can use to make your, your hobby or your life better. So I, I said, Hey, what if we, what if this is really our mantra? I think this is uh, tried <laughs> and tested and we, we should, we should do this. And so we really latched onto it. And um, though Writer and Box has evolved here and there, um, you know, we used to do a lot of interviews and we really don't do very many of those any longer. It really has stayed true to that idea at core. We want it to be a positive place for writers to visit of all levels. Um, and we really want it to be empowering. So here's something you can read usually once, a, you know, definitely uh, Monday through Friday, there's going to be something new on writerunbox.com. But something you can read that is going to help get you to the next level, hopefully, with your manuscript. You know, so many times in comments, we'll see people say, this is exactly what I needed today. How do you how do you do that magic? <laughs> this is exactly what mm -hmm. I needed today. So that's a long answer, but um, it's been quite a road. You know, we have over 50 contributors now. There are New York Times bestsellers. There are authors in progress who ha are not yet published. But in my opinion, that doesn't mean they don't have a great deal to offer the community. Um, and we have um, an agent with us as well. So it's it's been um, really a beautiful, beautiful part of my life. And I'm so grateful that Kathleen had that idea so long ago. 
You know, it's funny to think about 2006 because I think those of us who are writers, especially today, maybe we take it for granted how easy it is to connect with other writers online. But yeah, if you think back to before Facebook, unless you were kind of hip to the chat rooms and the and the sites where you could connect, you still were very much alone. And I think that has really changed over the past, you know, decade plus. It it really has. And um, it, 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 it became the community place. And this was, you know, it's pre-Twitter, it's pre-all of that, you know, and now we have all of these ways that we can connect. There's so many Facebook groups that you can connect, you know, with, with writers of different genres or with writers in general. I don't know. It was, we found a community there and somewhere along the line, writer and box, rather than being, you know, about two women writers who were, you know, just trying to like, we didn't even really know what we were doing. You know, what were we trying to get out of this? Like a book, a book deal about writing? <laughs> no, we weren't. We didn't even really have a game plan. Uh, we just decided to do this thing. But what we really did was create a space that then became a community place. It And unbeknownst to us at the time, that's exactly what we wanted. We, you know, we both craved that community. So, um, so there it was. Do you have people who maybe started reading the articles and interacting with Writer Unboxed who have gone from that author in progress place to publication and to their, you know, really have their own careers? Are you aware of anybody in your community who have done that? Absolutely. Quite a few people. Yes. Um, some people uh, have had been with us, had wonderful deals and and were gone. <laughs> You know, because life just can get crazy. Uh, it really can on the other side of a big publishing deal. Um, and we have a lot of people who who stayed. Um, but one thing that I have to say, you know, in terms of similar, okay, the trajectory of um, that growth that you want to see. I've seen a lot of authors and we have contributors with Writer Unboxed who were struggling so these are people who were published, but were having a hard time getting a, a next deal or were in some other way in the, in just in the mud, you know, and then found their way out and have amazing success stories. And I'm going to point to uh, Liz Mikelski and her novel that came out recently, Darling Girl, which um, was, is her second novel came out years ago and she was struggling. Um, you know, the, the ideas weren't hitting her agent, wasn't able to sell them and fast forward, she gets a new agent. She has this new idea. She um, sells this, this story. It goes to auction with people who want to make it into a TV series or a movie. It ends up being sold to the people who made Downton Abbey and um, so is, and then came out, um, became like a book of the month club book. And it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful high concept story about like Peter Pan and what happens after the original story and sort of a spin on Peter Pan and how he isn't everything that he seemed to be. So you do see this evolution and that's what's so interesting. And I um, am always in, inspired um, by those sorts of stories, not just the stories of people who, yes, they persevered and they finally were published, you know, or they persevered right. and they finally decided self-publishing was where it was at for them. But these other people who've really struggled in a different way, you know, uh, connecting with the industry. 
It, it's one of my favorite sites. I've, I've, you know, been reading this site probably for a decade now. Oh, thank you. Um, and learning, learning things. And it's really exciting to see some of the, the names that have come across. I'm really excited because one of your uh, contributors, UV Zalco, is actually going to be a guest on a very upcoming episode of Off the Page with a fantastic book. I love the articles that he writes for Writer Unboxed. I want to I wanna take this opportunity, having you on the program today, though, to really talk about writing itself, the craft. I've got a few questions that I'm hoping that the writers in our audience today can get something out of. What do you think is the most important piece of advice, not that you've ever received yourself about writing, but that you've given about writing? I think I, it's, it's two things really. Um, I think that there is something to be said about the, uh, the, the permeability (laughs) that you need to have, um, in terms of bringing in ideas from the world at large, uh, but from others as well. So this, you know, critique, people hear the word critique and they get tense and they don't want to hear it because so often you send someone a scene or an idea or, or a completed work or what you think is a completed work and never is. And what you want is praise. You know, you want you that secretly, even though you might be saying, oh, you know, hit me hard. But what you're really hoping for is a gold star. But it's, it's realizing that when you get that feedback, um, and um, there's, I'm putting a little star next to this, I'm going to circle back, but when you get that feedback that you want to be as open to it as you possibly can, rather than putting up those uh, guards, you know, to protect yourself from the hurt of not being perfect, you know, what you want to do is accept it as the gift that it is, because every piece of that feedback that criticism can really help you to evolve that story to the next level. And often it isn't, um, you know, uh, somebody has feedback and it's a, it's a little general and you or you don't understand it. But like when you dig into it, you can ask them questions and all that. Suddenly you realize, oh, if I change this one thing, then you know, I think that would solve the problem. It might not be that they realize what you need to do to solve the problem, but they've identified the problem. So think about it that way. And then the little star that I put next to this that I wanted to circle back to is not all critique partners are created equal. So um, it's really important that you follow your gut there. And if you are in an abusive relationship, um, you know, if there is someone who's just really, this isn't their gift, that's okay. You want someone who is going to be honest, who's going to be thorough, but who's going to be respectful you don't want to leave uh you know a session uh with a critique partner and feel uh like you you were just gobsmacked you know that you you mm-hmm. were you just you feel abused in some way that's that's very not good and i've i've had that so i know um what it like is like to have a good relationship and, oh. and a bad one and there's the puppy hello <laughs> so sorry <laughs> um but that's yes and then the other piece so that's the perseverance is the perseverance so it's not only important to be permeable you also have to be perseverant just keep going so a lot of people would feel if you um knew how long it was going to take you to complete something you never would start um it's it's oh my uh, gosh yes I mean, really, it's going to take five years or 10 years or something like that. It's it's but it's okay. Look, every draft evolves not only the story, but you are growing as a writer, as an author. And 
and as a human being, probably. So it's all worthwhile. It's just life and it's just life and story working together. I, I, I love that. Yeah, I'm thinking back on stories that I'm still working on that I don't want to talk, you know, about. Well, they could definitely be going to school by now. They're that old. Um, <laughs> there are a couple that probably could vote. Um, you know how it goes. Yes, right? yes, I do. I have some um, dust in the corner over here myself. Exactly. You know, talking about critiques, I think that this is something that people who are new to writing um, I think this is a really important thing to talk about, this idea that not all critiques are equal and that you really have to be open but also protective in a way so that you find the right critique partner, that you find the right writing group that works for you. Mm -hmm. And I think we're starting to see some movement past these circles of we're just going to completely trash everything that everybody's ever written. And if you can't take it, you're not a real writer. That was a really toxic environment, I want to say, mm -hmm. in decades past around this. Do you see that that is changing when you have sites like Writer Unboxed that facilitate that communication between writers? Well, I think that for me, in terms of Writer Unboxed, we do see a lot of hookups, you know, uh, critique partners coming out of that site. And I think that because the site we moderate comments at Writer on Box. So if you've commented at Writer on Box before, you're you know, in your friendly face, you don't your comments generally won't, won't go into moderation. But the first time you comment with us, they do. And in that way, we've weeded out some you know, bad apples, shall we say, you know, people who are just there to really be contrarian, be kind of mean spirited about the, either the content or like the, the even the person who wrote the post and it's like well I don't have any and there's that's not going to happen <laughs> writer in boxes just I don't have room for it so we just get rid of those people so I think it's partly like just um, creating that environment of just care like I care about you I want you to do well knowing that this isn't competitive like my you doing well doesn't mean I'm not going to do well I know something and I don't have to hoard that you know knowledge or what I think is some gem of a craft advice and not give it to anyone else because it's going to make me fail and that's not how it works and and I think that in giving to others you you know, it's just good. It's just good. It comes back. I can't begin to tell you how Writer Unboxed has come back around to help me time and again. So I think that having a community, however, however you do have it, um, nurturing it for positive energy is, is a good thing, if that makes some Absolutely. sense. Yeah. I know that a lot of people love to ask writers, oh, where do your ideas come from? Or mm -hmm. how do you get ideas? That sort of thing. And I also know that if you yourself are a writer, it's not so much the matter of getting ideas, but weeding down from the giant list, the notebook, the scraps of paper where you've jotted something down. Yeah. So what's your advice for figuring out which idea actually has something to it that is worth pursuing versus it was just an idea? I have like a hundred just ideas. So I feel this a lot. Um, I think that if you have something that you just, you're just keep, you keep coming back to it. You know, you're, you're spinning new ideas over this. Your characters are creating new questions in your mind. Or if you start from a high concept, all of a sudden the perfect character to latch to that high concept you know, attaches and it's just sticky in your mind. That's so that's one way to do it. The idea itself is just so, so compelling to you 
that you you just you're starting to dream about it. You you need to keep that notebook by your bedside at night just to keep track of all of these new ideas. Or or the dialogue starts creeping into your your mind. You're thinking about these people. So that's one way. The other way is what is that thing inside of you? What's that story you need to tell? You know, and we have these ways now of sort of excavating that. You know, think about like when you think about like the the memories that have gone into your your life sieve and have held there what are those what are those memories like if you were to write down these 10 most important moments in your life is there a theme to those moments and is there a way to draw that theme through one of these ideas that you've had do you find that maybe seven of the 10 ideas that you've had kind of are about that thing, then that's probably the pool of ideas you are going to want to draw from. And I'll tell you why. And it's because there's a huge part of you that's already thinking about it. So you might as well work through it with those characters in one of those ideas. And you know what, as you're working through it, those characters are going to have an arc, they're going to evolve. And all of a sudden, your story is going to just be richer for it. And on the other side of writing that draft, you are going to feel like you had therapy. <laughs> you're going to, you are going to feel better about whatever it was that you needed to work through. And so we sometimes don't mean to do it. I certainly have done it and haven't meant to do it, but it just happens to be the case that we are, you know, using our subconscious minds as we're writing and we are allowing those thoughts and subconscious to come up and come out. And when that happens, it drags a piece of us with it even though we mean for it to be about a character. And that's good. That's good. So I think if you're really battling, which story do I tell? Think about the story you need to tell and see if, if it's in one of those ideas. And I also love that's the story that just won't shut up inside you. It is. I love that. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, we, we talk about writer's block and it's so funny in a dark way, not necessarily a ha-ha way, that at the start of the pandemic, I think a lot of writers everywhere were, were just like, finally, I'm going to have the time to write. It's <laughs> locked down. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. So many books were going to get written in the spring and summer of 2020. Yes, they were. Um, and then a lot of people got really, really blocked. Yeah. You know, and have had really to deal with so much external stress, just stopping that. So what are some ways to get around those moments when, you know, no matter how much you want to, the words are, they're just not happening. Yeah. I actually have struggled with this myself and I have thought about it. So I'll tell you what I've come to on this. And that is that we are like little computers, you know, and our minds have only a certain amount of capacity or like executive memory, if you will, you know, um, and when we are, looking at the news constantly and looking to see what the latest is on, you know, whether it's a virus or, you know, or other world events, um, it's, it can be exhausting to our executive memory and our, our executive mm -hmm. functioning, you know, rather. And so what we have to try to do, and it's hard sometimes, is to just shut it off to shut it off for as long as you need to shut it off until that memory clears and you have yourself back to yourself. And the other thing to do, if you're not sure if this applies to you, is to do a little writing about what your brain is doing. So try to write just in a notebook. Don't even put it up on a computer. Uh, don't, don't open your manuscript. Just try to write your next scene on a piece of paper. 
And as you're writing and your brain starts skipping around to one thing or another, put it in the sidebar. I'm just thinking right now about something I need to do later, or I'm really, I really want to go to Twitter or whatever it is, put it in the sidebar. And in that way, you start to catch your mind in the act of, you know, when you start to see what the problem is and what's holding you back. And it, once you then see what's in the sidebar, you can start to address whatever those root problems might be. Now, whether it's you need to be stay off social media and there are things you can do, apps you can get, you know, <laughs> little things if you don't trust yourself to keep yourself off of those sites until later in the day or, you know, whatever it is you need. But I do think that it's important to follow with the path of your active brain when it isn't mm. acting the way you want it to. Yeah. Uh, one other area I wanted to talk about is how technology has changed the publishing world. I mean, it is so different today than it was in 2006 when Writer Unbox really got started. Um, you know, today a lot of writers have the opportunity to go indie and not in the way it used to be where it was you're paying somebody else to publish your book, which is always a bad idea. Yeah. Um, but to publish their own work. So if you have what advice do you have for writers who want to go that route of indie, you know, publishing their own stuff going independent? There are so many wonderful resources out there. And I can't tell you how much the landscape has changed. I mean, when we started Writer in Boston in 2006, the term vanity publishing was still predominantly what I was hearing. And so the idea was, you know, if you are self-publishing, you're just being vain. You need to wait until you are, you know, hit with the, the wand from the industry that says that you're worthy, you know, all of that. And it, there really was a stain of shame over the whole thing, which is now crazy to me. So, um, yeah, what do you do if, if you have decided that you want to publish, you want to be an indie publisher? First, you should fact check that you really want to because you kind of have to be a jack of all trades if you are going to do that, unless you're going to hire someone to help you. Um, I would definitely recommend, unless you have graphic design you know, uh, chops, that you hire a graphic artist for your cover at the very least because that can really help or hurt you. Um, and also a copy editor, I think are, those are really important things. And then of course you really need to be comfortable self-promoting. Um, and if you're not comfortable promoting yourself online, then, then that's another reason to either think twice about going down this path or, um, to hire someone to help you. One of the other things that we talk a lot about in writing groups is, and I think that this can really trip up newer writers is, You'll say, here are the rules of writing, but ignore these rules of writing. Right. Um, so do you do you have a rule of writing, one of those sacrosanct kind of can't touch it things that you're just like, yeah, no, I totally disagree with that. Um, yes. I mean, probably several. The one that leaps to mind would have to be um, prologues. <laughs> you oh, know? we're going we're gonna to throw down about prologues. <laughs> I love them. I, I mean, I really don't like the rule that you can't have a prologue because sometimes there's something you really need. It's just going to enhance the story if a reader understands this thing that happened in the in the backstory. You know, rather than making it backstory, you put it in the prologue. And it's clearly prologue. It clearly doesn't belong in chapter one because it's probably short. Or, you know, it's told from someone else's perspective or something like that. But, you know, my story, The Moon Sisters, um, that story 
nearly it hit a wall because um my editor said, you know, I don't understand like the premise of the story. I'm not feeling like this. And I'm like, what? The premise is everything. What do I do with that? I wanted to just like <laughs> throw myself out a window. So, uh, <laughs> so I realized that what she needed was to feel that, that compassion for a character. And I needed to pull back time by like six months and show a scene. And then once I did that and I sent that to my editor, she's like, okay, you got me. So I'm like, I, right there. I'm like, it saved my novel right there. And, um, you know, other people too, I've seen it, you know, they've, they've tried to scrabble away from the, the need for a prologue and really they need a prologue. The story needs a prologue for you to really feel hooked because you can't, it's not just about being hooked plot wise. It's about being hooked to that character. So like, what is going to make you care? Like, honestly, that's what we need to get through a story. Yeah. You have to care in some way. You either have to care about the plot because it's just like, you know, whatever, it's a gripping idea, or you're going to have to care about this person in some way, create some empathy. Anyway, that's how I feel about prologues. Well, we'll discuss more of this later <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing some prologue hesitancy here. <laughs> <laughs> she needs you need a little okay we'll talk later <laughs> i i think that it works when it works well but that it is something that is overused in places to as a crutch yeah so i think you really do have to come back and examine the story and whether or not this is the best only way to convey that information whereas you know especially within speculative fiction i think it's used to just be a massive info dump mm -hmm. that's interesting can lose people yeah in the in the beginning you know um but like i said we'll we'll, we'll yeah. have our own separate podcast just <laughs> arguing about writing stuff later on right <laughs> that sounds um, good so I, we are almost out of time for today but if if somebody sits down with you and just says you know therese i really want to write what do you think is the first thing i should do what do you say to them I would ask why they want to write and and it's okay if you don't know the answer i suppose but i think that there are so many reasons that might not be right <laughs> because they might not get you through you know if it's i want to i think you know there's so many people out there writing today and i want to make a quick buck that's not the right reason to do it <laughs> you know um it's hard. I think that, you know, and I, I would never want to uh, turn anyone away from calling. Um, but I think being honest, um, it's a hard job. It can sometimes just knock you on your on your butt how hard it can be, you know, when you are working so hard at something and it 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 can feel empty, you know, on the other side of it. So you have to love it. You have to love it in the same way that any other thing that you do in this world that you love, that is hard, that doesn't give you a reward, you know, works. It's like that. So it might give you a reward. It might give you a wonderful reward, but you can't do it for that reward. You have to do it because you love doing it. And that's it. If you write a sentence, if you write a paragraph, if you write a character, and that stuff comes alive for you as you're writing it and you fall in love with the process and you just end a scene and you 
you look out the window and you just say, thanks world. I don't even know where that just came from, but that was pretty cool. Then yeah, give it a shot. Well, Therese, thank you so much for talking with me today. Well, thank you for having me and, and to be continued prologue next. <laughs> <laughs> Therese Walsh is the co-founder of Writer Unboxed. You can find out more about the group and about their upcoming writing conference online at writerunboxed.com. Coming up next time, journalist Carrie Blakinger joins me to talk about her memoir, Corrections in Ink. It's the story of her journey from the ice rink to addiction, her arrest in Ithaca and time spent in the Tompkins County Jail, and ultimately to the new life she carved out for herself after her release. She joins me on the next episode to talk about the memoir and more. I hope you'll join me. Off the Page is a production of WSKG Public Media. I'm your host and producer, Crystal Siracus. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time we go Off the Page. Off the Page.